Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. We have some special guests with us I'd like to in- introduce to you. First of all, Harold and Deborah Bullock are here. Uh, good to see you all. They're right back there. You turn, they're waving. Deborah's waving anyway. <laughs> um, Harold is the senior pastor of Hope Church in Fort Worth. He's been my mentor for a lot of years. We'll say a lot of years. <laughs> Decades. And uh, I really appreciate his investment in, in my life. Deborah is the one who is the author of our uh, energy zone, or Kid Zone Energy Curriculum. And uh, that's blessed a lot of families I know. And so we're really grateful you're here with us today, for sure. We have some other guests as well. I'd like to introduce you and invite them up on stage. Um, we have leaders from Connection Europe, and we are partners with them. We have supported them in, uh, with our Christmas offering, and each of these folks are leaders, directors of student ministry on campuses in Germany. And uh, so I'd like you to hear from them this morning. Um, we have Robin and Alex and Anya with us. And I'd like just Robin to take a moment and share a little bit about Connection and what the goal is, the mission of Connection is all about. Thank you. Good morning. Um, Connection is a Christian college ministry in Germany, well, in Europe. Um, it's in Germany and the Netherlands. And there's four campuses. Um, total. And um, our vision is that college students will connect with Jesus Christ in faith and have fellowship with one another and in turn be trained to reach the lost world with the gospel. So that's what we would like to see. All right. Thank you, sir. And I've been, uh, each of these folks are in a different city in Germany and we've sent mission trips uh, to help out, along with support from the Christmas offering and in different ways. Um, So I I love your cities, by the way. I've been been to each of them. (laughs) But if you'd just describe a little bit about each of the cities that you're in and and the name, obviously. (laughs) So my city is called Jena. It's in East Germany, the former GDR. It's uh, not a big town. It has 100,000 people, but there's 25,000 students. So you'll find a lot of young people in Jena. Um, and it's very influenced by um, thinkers like Marx, who studied there, um, but also other um, very popular thinkers, but also very you know, um, humanistic, not necessarily... Um, faith-based thoughts. Yes. Thank you. So I'm in Brunswick. Um, The university is famous for mechanical engineering. Uh, VW is close by, so mechanical engineering focused on like cars and economics. That's a biggie in Brunswick. Um, There are 20,000 students, and the last semester there started 2,000 freshmen. I live in Bonn, Germany, which was the former capital of West Germany. Um, There are 350,000 people who live there, 38,000 students. Um, So, very influential city, very international. Mm -hmm. And 
would would each of you just share um, going into university your attitude toward Christ and Christianity in general, and then maybe what God used to shift that attitude? I actually studied in Vienna um, several years ago, uh, social work, and uh, I grew up in the East. So I grew up in a very typical non-Christian home, uh, atheistic, and when I went to university, that was really the first time that I was introduced to the gospel. Uh, I had a friend, and she invited me to church with her. Um, she was pretty persistent, too. So, um, and I just went and kind of really got to know God and got discipled through connection. So I met Martha very early on um, during my time going to church. Mm-hmm. And Martha is the one who started connection in Europe as well. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Alex? So I grew up in the East as well. Um, I have, like, there was no Christians in my surrounding whatsoever. Um, my family doesn't believe. Um, so I came to faith. I thought, I studied mechanical engineering and I finished my degree. Um, I thought, like, engineering, that's, that's a thing. You know, you can calculate everything. Like, there are no coincidences. There's no place for God because, like, science already found out everything. Um, I came to a Christian host family and they really, they, they laughed at me and they accepted me and I was kind of thrown off. How can they do that? And that's where, bit by bit, I accepted more and more of Christ. Like all my prejudice against Christianity was overcome by that. Yeah, I came to Brunswick and got plugged in with Connection. That really helped my faith, my walk with Christ to make it strong. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, um, but I had a very work-oriented faith. Um, I thought I needed to be a good person to be a Christian. And when I was a student, um, that totally didn't work out because I just would follow my heart. And when I was completely broken by my lifestyle, um, yeah, God just reached out to me, and through connection, I could learn what the gospel really means. And yeah. Connection helped me taking steps back into life and, yeah, what it means to follow Christ. That's great. I thought that'd give you a little picture of what Connection does and how it really helps and blesses folks. These guys have an information table outside to the left if you'd like to uh, find out more about the ministry. And I'm going to pray for you guys before you step off stage. Father, we thank you for Robin and Alex and Anya, God, their heart for you, the fact that they've come to know you and uh, their desire to uh, be used by you to help others come to know you on the university campuses in Germany. Father, I pray your blessing over them, that you provide for them, that you meet every need of theirs according to your riches in Jesus and we, we thank you for the work they're doing and, and honor you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank Thanks, you. guys. You Amen. bet. Oh, hey. All right. We're in a series of messages focused on understanding our identity as Christ followers um, and how that impacts the way we live. Our, our working definition of identity is who I am at the core of my being. This is what we're talking about. We, we develop our self-concept out of our, 
our sense of identity, so the way we look at ourselves, it impacts all kinds of things, conversations, the way we think about life and ourselves and um, relationships, friendships. If we develop our self-concept out of a skewed understanding of identity, then we live less of a life that God intends. I'd like you to watch this video with me. Interesting, isn't that? It's amazing what that artist did. What you see depends on the angle from which you're viewing it. From one angle, it looks like a pile of trash. From another angle, it looks like a person. From a very specific angle, a person. Uh, This is why it's so crucial to grasp who we are before God. Because if if we're not seeing... From his angle, then we tend to see ourselves as less than he's made us to be. It's a very important thing to grasp uh, who we are before God. Our enemy, Satan, he, he tries to pull us down like gravity to see ourselves and others as worthless. So we fight against this. This is, this is the battle. But people are highly valued. From the Lord's viewpoint, highly valued, very, very important to him. This is what we're learning in this series. We're unpacking from the book of First Peter uh, just what he said, what God had Peter write about our identity in Christ, because um, it, it helps us to see ourselves from God's angle and is a real blessing to us. So here's a brief series review. Uh, first week, part one, we looked at a new view of me. When you decide to follow Christ, you get a new prime identity. This, this is the foundation on which we're able to build. And we grow, we thrive as people as we learn to understand who we are before God and this new prime identity for those of us who've decided to follow Christ. Part two, the never-fading inheritance. Uh, figured out in this week that God has made the impossible possible. We can be born again. And we had nothing to do with this, just like our first birth. <laughs> but the second birth, it's all because God has made it happen and made it possible. And We've been born into his family with a new inheritance, and that strengthens us in trials if we choose to live by faith. Part three, we looked at expect to be different uh, because of who we are. A Christ follower lives differently and loves deeply, so we walk through that. Part four, 
built together, building together, we tend to think of ourselves in, in our culture as individuals, as silos, sort of. We're, we're just compartments. We're on our own. But when you choose to make Jesus your leader, he builds you into a church community. And this should begin to shape our identity as well, that we're not just alone in this, but we have a whole community of people that we're a part of and represent. Part five, we looked at all authority, and we saw last week how God rules the world through the authority that he puts in place, from the rulers or leaders of nations to bosses at work to heads of families. And if you cooperate with the leadership over you, Life goes better. It just works out better. Um, today, we're looking at a crucial role that we play as Christ followers. If you've decided to follow Christ, this is the role you play in, in your world, in each arena in which you live. And it brings purpose to everyday life. We gain, we gain purpose from this, meaning. This life is meaningful. Everything I'm involved in means something because of this role I have to play. And our objective as Christ followers, we've been looking a, a, a little bit at how uh, when the book of 1 Peter was written, Christians were very, very much persecuted and ridiculed. And so Peter's writing from this angle of how do we live as Christ followers in such a way that begins to turn the hearts of people from being hostile or indifferent to Christ and Christianity to want to know more. That's, that's the angle that you see. And that's our objective as a Christ follower. This is, this is the reason we live. This is, this is one of the core purposes for being left on the earth. And to accomplish this objective, we must identify with Christ. We must identify with Christ to be instruments of influence in our world. And this is, this is the challenge and the purpose that God has given us for our days on the earth. To influence our world to be instruments of influence who turn a hostile, maybe indifferent, maybe not so hostile, but just indifferent group of people toward following him. And here's an interesting thing you may or may not have thought of. But once you identify as a follower of Christ, in that instant, you become an ambassador. At that moment, you become a representative for Christ. Here's a dictionary definition of ambassador. An accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. That's what it means. And we talked about the second week, our inheritance, our home country. We talked about the first week, we're elect exiles. We're exiles are te temporary residents in a foreign land. We're really, I would say, chosen expats. You know, we're expatriates. We're out of our home country. Once you come to Christ, your home country's heaven, and you're representing heaven 
to the people. You're a representative. You're an ambassador of your real home country. And so this, this shapes the way that we approach our life. Here's a picture of a U.S. ambassador to a Middle Eastern country. Now, there are obvious outward differences in their clothing um, between the U.S. ambassador and the representative from the, the Middle Eastern government. Uh, and those differences in clothing represent big differences in the cultures of the two countries. Very, very, very different. But most of the differences are, are in the ways of life, yes, but really in, in thinking and values and at the core of them. Uh, they're very different. And the, the ambassador's job is to connect in a way that understanding grows between the two countries so that uh, they can work toward mutually beneficial goals. So that's the goal of the ambassador. This is his job. And our role as Christ followers is to help people understand who Jesus is and the difference he makes in a person who decides to follow him. That's our role. We want to increase understanding. Jesus is very misunderstood. What it means to follow him is not very well understood in our world. And our role as an ambassador is to increase the level of understanding. When you spend time with someone from another country, what, what happens? You, it's easy to make generalizations about the people, all the people from that country, if you only know one person from, from a country. Um, based on what you know them, you're just sort of thinking, well, that's, that's how they are. If you're, if you're American, you know, you meet somebody from another country that you're the only American they know, you're like, well, okay, that's Americans. That's the way they are. And trust me, we have a reputation around the world. <laughs> um, but people who spend time with you as a Christ follower, once they know you're a Christ follower, they make you their model for all Christ followers. And if they know several, then they begin to put a composite picture together of what it's like to follow Christ. When the Bible passage we're going to look at was written, Christians were at best misunderstood and ridiculed. At worst, beaten and martyred. So it was a risk to identify with Christ. Today, we don't risk so much being beaten and martyred. But we do risk ridicule. We're not quite sure once we identify with Christ how the atmosphere in the relationship is going to change. We're just, we're just a little iffy on that. And Peter is writing out of his own experience with following Christ. He, he tended to swing uh, before Jesus died and was raised again. Uh, he tended to swing like a pendulum on extremes. So when Jesus was arrested, he was there. He cut off the soldier's ear. And then, uh, so he, he responded, he's going to fight to the finish. At his trial, at Jesus' trial, three different people asked him if he was with Christ, and he denied him three times. So 
I, I would imagine as, as Peter's writing this down, he's writing it with a desire to help us live our purpose and not, not deny Christ like, like he did. I'm sure he regretted it uh, in a major way, but he was past that. Jesus had forgiven him. And he's learned since how to make the most of this opportunity to influence, to be instruments of influence and help people turn toward wanting to know more about Christ and follow Him. So, Peter's writing out of personal experience about one of our main objectives as a Christ follower. And he says basically, I'm going to boil it down to two things about how to be instruments of influence. And the first one may surprise you, but the first one is refuse payback. In, in everyday relationships. You just refuse to pay people back for the harm done to you. Check out 1 Peter 3, 8-9. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Now that, that, that's, that's a difficult assignment. Notice verse 9 says, we're called to bless instead of payback. We bless others by asking God to make things go well for them. This is what it means to bless. People who wrong us. We ask God to make it go well for them. That's not going to flow out of the natural instincts that we have. But this is a major part of our role as an ambassador for Christ. This, this is, it's impossible without God's help. Impossible. We need His help to play this role. What tends to happen in the flow of relating to others, is to pay back when we're wronged. Somebody ignores us. They don't give us the answer they, that we want. They give us a negative, some negative feedback, some criticism, and we pay them back. In family life, at work, in ministry, we have different strategies, different ways to pay them back. But we do. When we're hurt by someone, we aim to make them pay. Harsh words, cold shoulder, cutting remark. We don't literally come to blows with them, but we are pretty effective at making them pay. Well, not necessarily come to blows. Sometimes maybe, maybe it's tempting. Um, in the office... You know, the boss, if he doesn't give you credit for something, if he gives, slights you, if, if he you know, has an adversary like he's just getting on you all the time, you might make him pay by slacking off on your work. You just pull back a little bit on the throttle. Hey, you're going to make him pay. Make her pay. Whatever it is. You may not work as hard. We, we get very creative with dealing out payback. We're, we're good at it. And... The, the typical thing is for somebody to hurt someone else, they get paid back, they get paid back again, and the cycle continues. 
Until someone absorbs the blows, the cycle continues. The painful, unmerry-go-round keeps going round and round. Jesus absorbed the blows for us. This is what you find. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus is the one we follow. Christ's followers follow Christ. His ambassadors bless those who do evil to them and refuse to pay back. We do this with our main objective in mind. To be instruments of influence in God's hand to help people turn the corner from either a hostile or indifferent attitude toward Christ to want to know more about Him. This is, this is why we exist. We're, we're called to follow Jesus' example and stop the payback cycle. Now, we, we've been forgiven. By His wounds, you've been healed. That's what the passage says. We've been forgiven. Jesus paid the price for our sins so we didn't have to pay. Ephesians says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That, that's the whole reason for forgiving one another. And granted, um, forgiveness is a decision that we can make based on what Jesus has done for us, and it's also there are emotions that take time to work through, and forgiveness doesn't equal trust. There are all kinds of situations, but... We forgive and we aim toward, if we choose to forgive and then we work through forgiveness only because Jesus has forgiven us. That's the basis. That's, the, that's where the power to forgive comes from. Jesus has forgiven us. If, if, we, re, if we forgive and refuse payback, we provide a powerful witness to the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. In in the New Testament, the portion about Jesus' life uh, that was written by uh, his followers, his earliest followers, the apostles, you see the impact of this. On the cross, Jesus prays for those who are crucifying him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These folks are executing him. And he he looks down at them from the cross and he asks God to forgive them. That this is the one we follow. This is Christ's followers follow him. This is what he does. Now what's interesting is one of his earliest followers, Stephen, who became a, a deacon in the church, um he he prayed something similar when he was being martyred by his faith. Now, this is an artist's representation. We don't have a photo of the event or a viral video of Stephen's martyrdom, uh, being martyred for the faith. But, faith, but here's what he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So, he, he, he either heard or saw Jesus on the cross 
Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And he says, while they're, they're stoning him to death, they're, they're pelting him with heavy stones and killing him, he says, Lord, do, do not hold this against them. So you can see, he's following the one we follow. We've, he refuses payback. He asks God to forgive. He, asks, he blesses them, those who are, are aiming to hurt him. This left a deep impression on the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's, he's actually, could we go back to that picture? This, is, this represents Paul over here. He's standing and watching. This is what he says. Uh, in Acts, that um, God used Paul to start many churches, also to write about two-thirds of the New Testament that we read. And he was present at the execution of Stephen. That's what that artist represented there. And he mentions this event as he tells his story. Acts 22.20 And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. This event, Stephen's martyrdom, became a part of Paul's story. And you, you can only imagine how it began to turn his heart. And God did some dramatic things to get Paul's attention that haven't happened exactly that way since. But you can see the influence of, of Jesus... Stephen to Paul. That event becomes a part of Paul's story. This is one thing that God used to help Paul get a real-life picture of what it means to follow Christ. As you forgive and refuse payback and go beyond refusing payback to blessing those who do evil to you, it might just crack open a door to the heart of the person you're relating to and help them want to know more about Christ and following Him. This is our role in life. We're ambassadors. This is what it means to be an ambassador of Christ. We're called to choose the radical response of refusing to pay back because of Jesus' example because of what he's done and the help he gives in the moment to forgive as we turn to him. Now, this, this might possibly make people curious enough about Christ that they begin to ask questions about him. When they ask, we need to have good answers. That's, that's a part of our role as well. And another option besides curious is out of sort of self-defense, wanting to repel any thought of following Christ, there could be ridicule or worse. In response to this possibility, Peter says in, verse, in chapter 3, 14 to 16, have no fear of them. Have no fear of those who ridicule you, who persecute you, nor be troubled. Don't worry about it if you suffer for doing good, is what he's saying. But in your hearts... Honor Christ, the Lord, is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, 
those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So this is our goal. Again, responding in a way, relating in a way that we're instruments of influence who are helping people turn toward wanting to follow Christ. This passage shows us how to be a good ambassador. We can be people God uses to influence others only if we identify with Christ first. We identify in that moment we become an ambassador and then we need to be prepared. An effective ambassador leaves a positive impression of his country. In our case, we forgive, we refuse payback in honor of the one who gave us our inheritance. And we also are prepared to answer questions. We just get our, que- our own questions answered. As people ask us questions, we may not have the answer, but we try to get the answer. We go to people who have the answers and help us work through these things. We also relate with gracious respect. We relate to others in, in a very gracious way. And we aim to have a good conscience, which means not that we're perfect, All of us know we're not perfect. If you follow Christ, it doesn't make you perfect. But when we mess up, we clear it up. We straighten it out. We make it right. We make anything, any wrongs done right. All of this starts when we identify with Christ. When we simply let others know we follow Him. This is the first step we take to allow God to use us as instruments of influence to help people turn toward following Him or maybe, maybe help them turn to want to follow Him. People who don't see a need for Christ or even want to know about Him could possibly, we could help their heart open up to want to begin to see Him and know Him. I'd like to wrap up the message by walking through two ways to publicly identify with Christ. And first one is be baptized. We have a baptism coming up in April. And in the Bible, what you find is that all the baptisms in the Bible were by immersion. It represents a a death, a burial, and a resurrection to new life in Christ. This was the pattern. Jesus set the pattern. He, He said, you commit yourself to me. You You make disciples, you become a disciple, and then you're baptized, and then you learn how to obey. You learn how to follow Him. This is what He commanded. But the person publicly gets immersed underwater to represent dying to their old way of life. And then they're raised up out of the water. And it's sort of a drama that we play out where you see the picture of what Jesus has done for us. We're raised to new life. In him, And it begins when we trust Christ and his death on the cross to pay for our sin. Baptism itself doesn't bring salvation, but it represents that we already have it, that we've trusted Christ, that we've died to our old selves, and that we've raised to, to new life in him. Now, in baptism, all eyes and, and attendance are on you. Some people don't like that. But Jesus asked us to do it. So... Even though it may be a little humbling or slightly embarrassing, we, we ask people to push through and follow Him in this. It's a sign of faith and humility and a desire to do 
what Jesus commands exactly. Exactly what he commands. If, if you've become a follower of Christ recently, this is a great starting point of public identification. You, you can let us know if you're interested in being baptized on your connection card. Another way to publicly identify is to mention Christ in everyday conversations. There, there's no reason to be obnoxious about it. Annoying in our witness to others about our faith in Christ. But we just simply need to let them know that we're a follower of Christ. Somehow, some way, we let them know. It could be as simple as letting your co-worker know on Monday that one of the things you did over the weekend was attend church on Sunday. Uh, you can naturally let others know that you prayed about something and how it helped you deal with anxiety. God gave you victory over worry by praying about it. Or you can share how the Lord's helped you deal with anger or mention that you spent some time with friends from church. That, that, that's an identification. And at that moment, you become an ambassador. <laughs> you're, you're, you're beginning to shape the person's understanding of what it means to follow Christ. When you, when you mention Christ, you become an instant ambassador. If you're effective... It works like salt on potato chips. It makes you want more. <laughs> Colossians 4.6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Same thing Peter said. Respectful and gracious. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I want, I want to encourage you to pray. And ask God for the courage to bring Jesus up in conversations this week. You, you don't have to be annoying. Um, and if a person puts up a wall, respect that. Don't, don't push through the wall, but just pray. Ask God to open their heart. Ask God to give you more and more opportunities to identify with Him. And maybe they'll ask you at some point about it. Or God opens another door for you to talk to them more about it as well. Keep asking God to create a curiosity in those you relate to and season your conversations with Christ and, and His work in your life. That, that, that's, that's where it all starts, this role we play when we identify. We're wrapping up a little over 30 years here in Diamond Bar. And... Um, it's, it's been, I, when I landed here in Diamond Bar, um, Cindy and I, and my son Thad, he was two at the time. He's a lot older now. Uh, but I, I remember, I, I was, frankly, I was nervous about how this was going to go because God had put me here to plant a church, to start a church, and um, I, I wasn't quite sure how uh, this was all going to work. I just knew God sent me here and I was supposed to meet people and try to help them come to know Christ and begin to grow in Him and watch as they benefit from walking with the Lord. And so I remember like the first week or two that I was here in Diamond Bar, I went to McDonald's with Thad. And he was playing on the Play Place 
And I was probably eating or watching or something. And this thought had been going, God, how are you going to use us to plant this church? How are you going to? And um, while we were playing, I heard parents talking to their kids around me. And they were being harsh with them. They were treating them poorly. And God in that moment said, Randy, you have what they need. And it's not that I am what they need. I have what they need. I have in in us as Christ followers, we have a treasure that we need to share with the people around us. And I've I've watched as person after person through the last 30 years has when they give their life to follow Christ, there's a seed that's planted that begins to bear fruit in their life. And it's a blessing to, to themselves, to their family, to their friends, at their work. This, this is what God has called us to do. We're ambassadors. It only begins when we identify with Christ. When we identify, we become an ambassador. We have an opportunity then to begin to influence and invite people to church. This is, this is our role. Um, many of our friends and family, they need us to wade into conversations to test the waters. This is what, not, not because we're so great, not because we're what they need. Jesus is what they need. He's the one that changes them as they give their life to follow him. So this Easter is a real opportunity for us. We're moving to a new area. Uh, there's an opportunity to keep identifying with Christ, to identify in the first place, to invite people to CIV. And then to begin to include them in the church community as we move forward. This is a tremendous opportunity from the hand of God. All of us can help with this. All of us. No matter how long you follow Christ, even if you don't follow Christ, if, if you have benefited from what's gone on here at Church in the Valley, you can begin to invite people. You can... Let them know, if you're a Christ follower, identify with Christ. Let them know you are. Invite them to CIV and then help us include them in the life of the church. Sometimes people are going to respond to a mailing. We're going to do door hangers. Sometimes people respond to that. They're just, God has them at the point in their life where they are looking for a church and they want to check it out. Some might see a sign and stop in because of that. Some may search on the web. Most people... Find us on the web today. Um, But many people are waiting for a personal invitation. There are people all over the place that if we invited them, they would come. And this, this this is our role. We identify with Christ. We invite people to be a part of what He's doing at Church in the Valley. And through that process, they have an opportunity to be changed by the living God. Would you... Take the time to pray this week and ask God to show you who to invite. Ask God to give you the
the courage to identify and invite. And then let's see what God does over these next few weeks. Uh, As the worship team comes back on stage, I want to invite you to consider taking a step, a next step today. The first step would be to identify with Christ through, just fill in the blank. How how do I need to identify with Christ? There are people in my family, people, friendships that I have, um, people at work. And then another step would be to pray daily for those I'm inviting to Easter at Church in the Valley. Make a list. Invite folks. And then there may be something else the Lord's laid on your heart. Uh, to do in response to the message. I'd invite you to do that as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word that frees us from bondage to our old ways and our old life. And we thank you, God, for giving us the purpose you have. Help us to be effective for you those of us who follow Christ. And help us to live for you and make the difference you want us to make in in our world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.